Good to see everyone this morning. There's a few folks that are away, not well, so we remember them. But it was a good week last week with uh, Brother Nicholson. He was blessed. I was blessed. Uh, just, um, just the nature of his ministry and how the Lord has uh, gifted him to uh, teach the Word. And, uh, you know, we, he could have sat till midnight. I, I really enjoy his preaching. I don't zone in and out. My mind is engaged and focused. And I think that's a, a hallmark of, of, of the anointing of the Spirit of God. And so we thank the Lord for that. But um, I want to minister this morning from the book of Habakkuk. Book of Habakkuk, chapter 3. And so this thought has been, well, it's been resonating for a while, but I want to share something with you this morning that I pray will bless you as it has uh, so abundantly continues to bless me. Now, uh, I can't remember how long ago it was, maybe a year ago or maybe more, I was watching a documentary. And in this particular documentary, that's why sometimes I like to watch documentaries, it's better than the other nonsense that you can't digest and sit down and whatever it is. But as, I can't even remember specifically what it was about, but I remember the section obviously that I was focused in and that had to do with, they were considering mountain deer. Mountain deer. And it was fascinating as I was watching this because it was showing how these mountain deer, they live up high, on the mount, obviously on the mountains and in the rocks. And so that in and of itself was interesting because, you know, we think of deer and we just kind of think, you know, they're scattering down and on the, uh, the banks of the, of the waters trying to get a, a drink. But, um, but this is this uh, context, these mountain deer... It not only did they live there, but they were also showing how they move so swiftly and gracefully through the rock and on the rock. And you're kind of looking at it and you're thinking, you know, why aren't they slipping? I mean, this is like dangerous and yet they do it with such grace and, such, and so swiftly and, and it was so observable to me. And then uh, I remember watching even a predator, a lion, a mountain lion that was obviously uh, praying upon it and then as it began to move to strike um, this mountain deer would leap and jump and skip through the rocks in such a way that it was and it would escape the, its predator and it was just fascinating just to see how this was playing itself out and uh, it brought my, to my mind something that the Lord had already been revealing to me and, um, and it's something that I want to share with you because the question is what would such an illustration like that have to do with the Bible and the answer is everything there's so much truth that is connected to that illustration that I've just given you this morning and I want to identify it in the word of God and I want us to see it as it is in the word of God and more than that I want us to realize how it applies to our lives as Christians and so I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled As the Feet of Deer, or Deer's Feet, whatever, however you want to put it. But it's there in the Scriptures. And uh, what we see is that God has given the Christian the feet of a deer. And so when you think about that, obviously it seems strange, but it is a metaphor. 
but it does teach us a profound spiritual truth, one that has great significance. And so the reason, the question is, well then what is the reason behind deer's feet? And it's obviously captured in the illustration that I just gave you, but it is incorporated in the truth and over the years you will have realised that I have, as I've preached and taught and communicated the Word of God, I have made emphasis on the victory that we have in Jesus Christ, the triumphant life that we are to possess in Christ Jesus. I've used the word, the fullness of Christ. Um, possessing our possessions. These are, these, these are all words that are interchangeable and interconnected with the same vein of truth and as we consider the feet of a deer this, this morning, we are thinking along those lines and so I want to lock you into that and I want you to have that at the forefront of your mind as we consider these things because the Word of God is clear and the Word of God teaches us a wonderful, wonderful truth. And so I've chosen... I mean, there's other references as we'll see, but I've chosen specifically the prophet and book of Habakkuk and I want to read it together with you in chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. Familiar portion of scripture. The Bible says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labour of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the, the flock may be cut off from the uh, fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. Verse 19, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. Let's pray. Father, I pray, Lord, God, make known to us, Lord, the divine truth that's associated with these words. God, give them a revelation and application into our lives, Lord, and let us, God, walk in this manner. In Christ Jesus, I pray. Amen. So, the question is, why is it necessary to have deer's feet in the first instance? We see here that it's referred to. Now, I have chosen Habakkuk specifically because I think it illustrates the reason why, the need for deer's feet. And so when you begin to understand the book of Habakkuk and all that is associated with it, you begin to get an understanding and a revelation why we have these words. Now, we're familiar, most of us, I assume, uh, are familiar with verses 17 and 18. We talk about them and we quote them as a a declaration of faith, a proclamation of faith. You know, uh, there's a song, you know, the the flock shall all be scattered, there will be no cattle in the storm. Uh, stall, you know, I will rejoice. So we're talking about circumstances and a situation that is so de- desperate and distressing and desire, uh, uh, dire and yet Habakkuk the prophet is speaking uh, about in faith how I will rejoice and I will have joy in my God. And so we, we quote verse 17 and 18. I know that that's how I operated for a period of time and uh, verse 19 which is the last verse of the book I never really gave much thought. I said, oh yeah, it's a nice way to finish it, without really grasping and understanding what it was that the Word of God is showing us and teaching us and what Habakkuk means when he says that. And so it it teaches us something. Habakkuk is a perfect example. 
You see, verses 17 and 19 are a hymn of faith. It gives us the picture that in... You see, you've got to understand, Habakkuk is prophesying during a... a, a distra- he is personally distressed at, at this point of time in Israel's history. Israel is, uh, it has an impending judgment from God. They are about to be launched and Judah specifically is about to be launched into Babylonian captivity. And so uh, Habakkuk in identifying this, seeing the horror that's about to come upon them and the judgment of God that's about to come upon his people, he, he, in those first chapters, you know, he says, how long, O Lord, why, O Lord? And he, he is asking and he's questioning and you can sense the, the, the stress that he is going through in this dark hour of his people. And yet we have at the end this declaration of faith that is pinned to this particular book which gives us uh, such uh, an encouragement for ourselves in our own Christian life. You know, the word Habakkuk in the Hebrew means to, to cling. And you get the, pe- the picture that when you read that closing, those closing words of the book of Habakkuk, that in spite of the circumstances and the, 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 des- the dire circumstances that are before them, Habakkuk is clinging to God. He's clinging to God. And so we get this picture that he's holding fast in faith and you know we find that exhortation right throughout the New Testament and Hebrews specifically in our, in our own walk with God. We can identify with that. We can relate to that. We can be encouraged by these things. But you see, that's only one side of the coin of what Habakkuk is teaching us. Now, I'm not discarding that, but if you look at verse 17 and 18 and 19, verse 19, climax verse 18. It doesn't stop at verse 18 where he says, I will rejoice in the Lord my God. That's one aspect and joy in my Lord. That is absolutely necessary but he goes even further and rather than giving us the picture of just holding on in faith, we get now a picture of uh, he is being elevated in faith. He is being lifted up when he says in verse 19, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high heels. He's being elevated. And there's that picture again, this elevation, being lifted up. And to, uh, to, to accomplish that, he says, uh, then the Lord has given me feet like a deer. And we, the, the imagery, the type here uh, that is, is, is being taught is something that we must grasp because not only are we just holding on, amen, we're not just holding on until we get there, hallelujah. Even now we have and we can walk in victory. And this is the reality that we must embrace in the Christian life. Paul talks about this picture of triumph when he says in spite of his trials and tribulations, he talks about in first, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, when he says that, I thank my God who causes us to triumph in Christ. Always leads us to triumph. In spite of what it is that life throws at us, the circumstances and the, the sufferings, uh, there is this triumph that Paul is identifying and of which, obviously, I've made reference to many a times, but we're looking at it now in this particular context. And let's be, let's be real. Life has much trials. There are things that happen. 
There is trials, there's tribulation. There are various elements of suffering that we experience in this life that we cannot avoid and we, we identify that outwardly, that's the reality of life. But you see, inwardly is a different world altogether. That's why Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, when he would say, Out, the outward man is perishing, even that which relates to the flesh, but the inward man, the spiritual man, is being renewed day by day. The dynamics of what is happening internally to the Christian is the opposite to and surpasses that which is external, regardless of its reality regardless of how bad it is. Look at Habakkuk. He is in a dark situation with the people. The impending judgment and the horror of God's discipline is coming upon that nation. They are going to be dispersed. People are suffering and dying and Habakkuk is in the midst of this. And yet he's talking about not only a home of faith but he's talking about having the feet of a deer. He's being lifted up. He's being elevated by God to his right full position and this is something that we need to identify. We also see in Ephesians, Paul the Apostle, see the in, this aspect of the inward man. When uh, Paul would pray in chapter 3 and he says that, the, that we would be strengthened in the inner man. This inward part, this inward reality where Christ, we are the temple of God, we, have been, we are partakers of the divine nature, we, are, uh, uh, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. There is something that's at work internally and Paul is praying for believers to be strengthened with all might in the inner man. So you see the inward man being renewed, the inward man being strengthened. This is exactly what Habakkuk is referring to when he talks about deer's feet. What else does Paul teach us in Ephesians? We know in chapter 6 he speaks about the reality of the war that we're engaged in. We wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And so in this life, in this journey, there is a spiritual dynamic. There is a war uh, as Christians, as children of God. There is assaults, there are strategies, there are uh, things that happen uh, in this life and that's just the way in which it works. Peter also tells us, as he reiterates, that the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so if we're going to, in the same way that this mountain lion sought to devour this particular deer, he was able to elude, uh, the deer was able to elude the, the clutches of that particular lion because he had, obviously deer have deer's feet, which we'll look at in a moment, but that gave it the ability to swiftly uh, to uh, escape the hand of the prowler in that sense. And so all these things we see in the word of God. So it's for this reason that we've just considered that God has provided us with deer's feet. In, in verse 19 of our text, Habakkuk says, the Lord God is my strength. God is my strength. Listen to, he will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make my feet. And he will make me walk on my high heels. God will cause this to happen. 
by the power of His might, as we read it in Ephesians, through His Spirit that is in us and through the power of the Spirit of God that so uh, invigorates and empowers us to, to live as we ought to live, God will make us to walk on high hills. So let's look a little bit further at this and establish. I want you to see it here in the Word of God, this whole, this whole foundation of Fido Vidya. Because here's Habakkuk. He's obviously drawing on something. He's not just putting that in there. There's a reason why that Habakkuk is making that reference and it has a spiritual truth and reality that's associated with it. And so the answer, I believe, is found in Leviticus chapter 11 where God begins to uh, talk about the clean and the unclean animals by which that the children of Israel were able to eat. And within there, if you go to Leviticus chapter 11, you begin to see that God lays down these rules and laws of what is permitted and forbidden. And he says in verse 3 of chapter 11, Among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, and chewing the cud, that you may eat. So here's the principle. You, this is what is clean, this is what you can eat. Any animal that has cloven hooves or uh, divides the hoof, this is deer, a deer's feet, so to speak, and other animals, but we have a deer in, in mind in this instance, and that chews the cud. There's two, two factors here, two identifying factors. We'll get to the second part later on. But then we have uh, in verses 4 to 7, uh, God saying, Nevertheless, you shall not eat those that chew the cud or those that have cloven hooves, such as the camel, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves. In other words, it has to have cloven hooves and it has to chew the cud. If it does one but not the other, it is unclean. The two go together and we'll see that later the whole issue of having cloven hooves and chewing the cud is, very, uh, is symbolic and type of uh, how it applies to us as Christians, which we'll see. But you see, the cloven hooves was not an unfamiliar concept to the children of Israel. They had uh, an understanding of this. And so even as Habakkuk writes these words in this text, he is mindful of what he is referring to when he states these things. In the same way that King David, who had gone before him, mentions exactly the same words. Go to Psalm 18. In Psalm 18... Again, I just want to shed some light on the context before we just read these because... David finds himself in, again, a distressing time. If you know the story, uh, David is, uh, in this instance, he's, fl- he's having to flee and his Saul is trying to kill him uh, and he's having to uh, flee from, th- from that and from those that are pursuing him in order to capture him and ultimately take his life. So, and he talks about it in, in verse... Um, if you go to verse uh, 4 of, chapter, of Psalm 18, he says, The pangs of death surrounded me. The floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. And the snares of death confronted me. 
and in my distress I called upon the Lord. David's not in a happy situation. He talks about the pangs of death. He talks about the, the, um, the floods of ungodliness. I mean, we're, we're in this world, but we're not of it. But we see the evil, we see the wicked, we see the floods of ungodliness that's infiltrating our society and even now in relation to the various issues that are around us. And these things can be a vex to us and cause us distress in light of us navigating through these things. But here is David, he's in a distressing time. And yet, in light of that, in the same way Habakkuk is in a distressing time, in light of that, they both say these words. So go to uh, verse, where is it? 33. Before we, but before we do read 33, I want to go to back to, to verse 28. He says, For you will light my lamp, The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for my God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield to all who trust in him. For who, now verse 31, for who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. Now look at verse 33. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and he sets me on my high places. He sets me on the high mountains, on the high hills as Habakkuk has said. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a a bow of bronze and he says again, look at verse 35 and verse 36, you have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under, my, under me so my feet did not slip. You see, the reason why his feet did not slip is because he says the Lord had given me the feet of a deer. In the midst of the circumstances that wanted to overwhelm, that wanted to destroy, that wanted to crush, that wanted to just cripple me, He says, no, the Lord elevated me. The Lord lifted me up high and he gave me feet as a deer and set me on the high places. Hallelujah. And so you can see now the picture that's being created here by uh, by Habakkuk himself and by David in this instance. We're beginning to identify these particular issues and we can see what this means to us as the Christian. Because again, what does Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 tell us? Where's the Christian placed? He is, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, but God who's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you've been saved and raised us up, verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. We are seated in heavenly places. This is, to, this is where we have been lifted up to. This is, if, if we are going to abide and we are going to live in, the, in, in, in that position in Christ Jesus, in that elevated position in this world that wants to drag us down, then we have to have feet of a deer. You see? 
You have to have deer's feet to abide in this place. And God says that that that's our position in Christ. But tell me how many of us know that as a reality. How many live in this way? How many know these things? And this has been my experience, practically speaking, one personally and two in ministry over the years, is not all Christians embrace that. Not all Christians live in that way. Not all Christians understand what it is to have feet of a deer. And that's why I share this this morning, that we would understand it and we would see it as God would have us. He gives me feet of a deer. He, makes, he sets me on high places. He will cause me to walk triumphantly. You see, these, we're, see remember, the Bible says, Ephesians 1, we have been seated in heavenly places in Christ, or it says we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Blessed with every spiritual blessing. Then we find in Ephesians 2 that we are seated, in verse 6, we are seated in heavenly places. But in chapter 6 we are told that we, we, we war in heavenly places. Correct? So the heavenly places are dangerous. There's an element of danger because there is an there enemy a lion, as Peter would describe him, who seeks to devour. And when I saw that uh, in that documentary that mountain lion at- attempt to uh, come upon that deer and the manner in which this deer skipped through those rocks on the high mountains, I tell you, it was fascinating to behold and yet it showed me and again reiterated that which the Word of God itself tells us is that we are given by God the feet of a deer in order to walk in the same manner. Praise the Lord. That we can live victoriously. That we, by His power and by His grace, He gives us these things and by His strength we can walk and live in this manner. So, there the high places can be dangerous so we need deer's feet. That's That's the issue number one. Number two, let me say this, church. We don't have to stay in the valley. I understand that we pass through the valley. I understand that there are things in life that happen that drag us down, that bring us into a place of defeat sometimes. I mean, that that can shake our world. But you see, we're not to be boggled down there, amen? You see, the feet of a deer can climb back up. And when you go back up, you begin to uh, see things as God sees. You see, this is the beauty of having the feet of a deer because it means we dwell in heavenly places, which means, amen, we see as God sees. You know what happens in the valley? You see as man sees. Because you can't see anything that's in, other than what's in front of you. But if you are elevated, amen, if you are uh, in, uh, on those mountains, then you have a vast view and you begin to see things as God sees them, amen? And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 18, I believe it is, the Bible says, Paul says, for we don't look, to the things that are, uh, we, we don't look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. In other words, what Paul's saying is, is we see the invisible. The world can't see it. They are absolutely blinded. They have no spiritual understanding or view of things. But for the Christian, amen, we are to see things by faith. 
and we see things as God sees them. And so this is what elevates us, this is what enables us to be strengthened, this is what enables us to walk worthy and in victory and fullness. So for these reasons, we have deer's feet. For this reason, the Bible says, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. For this reason, God calls us to be overcomers. You know, in the Scriptures, we are called to be overcomers. Why? Because God says, I've given you the feet of a deer. I feel like I can't, I can't. What do you mean you can't? You can. You can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when you begin to identify this and understand it, it'll change the dynamic of your life. Because it doesn't matter what we pass through, what we experience, at the end of the day, amen, we are dwelling. He causes me to walk on my high hills. He causes me to walk in high places. Amen. That's something to get excited about, sister. I agree. In actual fact, I'm going to share this again. I mentioned it, but it stuck in my mind as I was preparing this and it refers to our brother Sam. But I still recall him sharing a testimony. And he says, you'll remember when he says I was, one early Sunday morning he was up and he's somewhere in the house there and he's sitting by himself just reading his Bible on his own, in the, you know, having some time with the Lord and Jude walks past and it was early in the morning and he says, what are you doing? And Sam says, I'm checking my inheritance. Is that right, Sam? <laughs> I remember that. Now, there's a profound aspect to this because I want you to think about it because what, what he's saying is, is I'm, I'm ascending unto the high places. I, I am moving along. I'm checking the word of God and I'm seeing. And, and that is elevating him. And in a sense, he's, he's walking with the feet of a deer as he looks at the word of God, as he ponders the word of God. And this lifts up his soul because I'm sure he's just had a hard week at work. I'm sure his body uh, is, is, is sore. I'm sure he, in his 12-hour days he doesn't get up every morning and say, I love this. <laughs> Sometimes he's feeling weary, I'm sure. So he, in, and, uh, and so you need to be able... You need, you must as a Christian be able to walk with feet of a deer, church. It's so important. Which brings me, and the reason why I say that is to illustrate two things. One, that you need to check your inheritance. You need to know what the Word of God says. You need to know the wealth that you have that's yours in Christ. But secondly, there's something else that's happening here that I want to focus on and that is is that at that point of time as he's looking at the word, he's actually meditating upon God's word. Now I'm sure when we, when we talk about meditation in the world that we live in today, it's totally related to some mystical Eastern practice, you know. I'm sure Sam wasn't in the room going hmm, hmm. <laughs> he was deep in thought. He was thinking deeply about the word of God. And in doing so, this is what we call biblical meditation. To think upon, to ponder the word of God. I'm not just talking about picking up the Bible and reading a few verses and say, yep, that's my Bible reading for the day. 
You can't skim through the Word of God. You have to have an approach in which you meditate upon the Word of God. And this is exactly what is being shown to us through Leviticus chapter 11 when the clean animals that they were to eat were to have cloven hooves and they were to chew the cud. And chewing the cud teaches us about the issue of meditation on the Word of God. We have to meditate on God's word. It, this is so critical, church. You cannot scale the heights. You cannot have feet of a deer if you have not and are not chewing the cud. You have to meditate upon the word of God. You have to have a relationship with God. You have to have your personal devotion. You have to pray the word. You have to think about the word. You have to study the word. And this is what the Bible is talking about. The two go together. You know, I was thinking about it as, a, as an illustration, a, a, dairy, a dairy cow, a cow. A cow, as we know, it just stands there all day eating, chewing grass, right? And then, once it's done chewing the grass off the ground, either standing or when it sits or lies down and sits down, you know what it does? It goes and brings up that lovely food that was just digested and it begins to eat it again. Mmm, this is beautiful. And, and maybe goes back down and comes back up again. Oh, it's getting better. Mmm. Ha, <laughs> And then it goes through that process. Yeah, that's right. But you see, before it even goes through that process, it's being chewed. It's chewing the cud. It is being regurgitated back up and is being eaten again and chewed again. And then ultimately, what, what's the beauty of a cow? It gives milk. And then it goes through the process again for that day. But you see... There's something about chewing the cud. There's something about meditating upon the Word of God. When the Bible says meditate, this is exactly what it's talking about. Because you know what our tendency is? We hear the preaching and we go outside and we, we, you know, we, we, we don't even give it a second thought. Or we read our Bible, oh, I read my chapter, I've done my duty. But you see, you're not digesting anything. Some, for some, the word is just going in one ear and out the other. Or as I like to say, I thought of this, I uh, hope it's not too offensive for some, but some people are suffering from spiritual diarrhoea. Where the word comes in and goes straight out. And they're not healthy, you're not receiving the nutrients. I know that this is a bit crass, but it's illustrating the point. Because you have to learn to chew the card. You have to digest the Word of God. You have to think about it. You have to study it. Then you have to apply it into your life. You have to obey it. You can't just be casual about this. You can't be haphazard. You can't just glance over this. You have to be serious and in the manner in which you approach it. And if we are going to have feet of a deer, then you have to know how to chew the card. Because that's where the Word of God becomes rich and dwells richly in us. And that, amen, through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, is what brings us into that place where we live in those high places, where we can traverse those high hills. Are you understanding me, church? 
Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that it is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. See, God says to Joshua, you will meditate in this word, the book of the law, day and night. Not that he says, you know, you'll have a little Bible reading. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about meditating upon God's word. And in doing so, God says to Joshua, then your way will be prosperous and you'll have good success. Psalm, go to Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates. He meditates. You know, it's interesting, that word in, in, the, uh, in, my, in my little cross-reference here, it says ponder by taking to himself. He meditates, he ponders, he chews the cud. And this person, look at verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. You see, there is blessing here. There is a blessing that comes with meditation of God's word. When we learn to chew the cud as we ought to, we will receive the health benefits spiritually and we will then, amen, be able to ascend to the heights as, as, as the feet of a deer and walk as God would have us to walk. And so, this is all very, very important this morning. So let me ask you this question as we just conclude. Do you, do you know what it is like to walk on high mountains and on the high places? Because this is where God wants us to be. Habakkuk is not just clinging. You see, it, it is, I'm not saying that, uh, that, that clinging is not right. That's what Habakkuk, the word means. It means to embrace, to cling. And so Habakkuk, in the midst of his experience, he's holding on in faith. Praise the Lord. That's, what it, that's the reality of what it is like. I, I know that. But you see, the other side is, is that once we're holding fast, Habakkuk says, he, gave, he, God is the one who strengthens me. He will make me to have feet of a deer. He will make me walk on high places. And that's where God would have us to be. Can you say amen? Uh, let me just read one last scripture because it, David himself says it. In verse 29 of Psalm 18, For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. You know what David's saying? He says, I can do anything. He feels like Super Christian. <laughs> but in other, what he's saying is, is that he is, he is spiritually strengthened within, despite what's going on around him. He's trusting God, he's holding fast to God, and more than that, he feels invigorated and strengthened and life-filled, regardless 
of what's going on around him. And what a joy it is. The world doesn't understand this dynamic. Even some Christians don't understand it. But this is the duality of the Christian life. Let's pray.